This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Thank you all for coming tonight. This week is Pasha's Toldos, but we're not going to talk about Pasha's Toldos. We're going to talk a little bit about what Kleisrael went through the last two, three weeks in Farakaway, in the five towns, in Seagate. And right now, it's a um, it's very scary there right now. There's um, sort of a call up for the for the army very Israel because today Israelis killed the top man in Hamas and um, because they were they were shooting missiles continuously into Israel and pretty much you're a little bit at war right now with Hamas and Syria and it's uh, cooking as they say so it's a it's a shasa it's a shasa sakana for the whole class so we just came out of a sakana and like what's going on like this is really scary so. I want to talk a little bit about tonight about Amuna, and not only Amuna, but I, I was speaking to a bunch. I have been speaking to a, a, a lot of people, and even though a lot of us know the subject matter of the Torah, let me just turn off my phone. And a lot of us know um, a lot of us believe in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and it's purely Amuna. But I think tonight, when we leave here today, it's going to be it's going to be going to be more than a Muna. I'm going to prove to you tonight that there's a God outside of just believing because we're about to, according to the Gemara at least the times of Mashiach the, the big test the only test is going to be a test of a Muna and the Jews that stay with God will live to see Mashiach and the Jews that don't will perish and um, the Gemara also says that at the times of Mashiach the only one that the Jews will have to help them is Hashem not the government not the king, as it says, not the king, not the government. We'll have absolutely nobody to turn. Our Gedele Hadar will either be very old and sick or have passed away, which happened this past year in a very large manner. Um, and the Gemara says that in the times of Mashiach, we, we're just going to have to point to Hashem and say, we don't have anybody else. And um, maybe that's why Obama won, because we know that the person sitting in the White House is not our friend, and definitely not the friend of Israel. So we can't say, like we did in the Six-Day War, don't worry, the Americans are going to send planes and soldiers and everything else. They're not. And at this point, um, with the government that we have, it's Israel very, very much for the first time in a long time really stands alone. The UN has an emergency meeting tonight of all the Arab states and everybody's called in against the Israelis killing this leader of a terrorist. Like, how, how could you be against that? Like, he's a terrorist. Like, hello? You know, they killed the terrorist. But uh, the whole world is against us, and these are the times of Mashiach. And and the only one that can help us in the end, in the hurricane, right? Everybody said, FEMA, the American government, FEMA. They're going to give so much money. They're going to rebuild Seagate, Farakaway. Well, guess what? FEMA said, since you all have basements, and FEMA doesn't cover basements, and he has to have the basement. As far as we're concerned, the whole structure was ruined because of the basement, and you weren't supposed to have a basement, so we're giving you nothing. And even the people who lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of them got $2,500. So, the government's not helping with the hurricane. The insurance companies, if you didn't have flood insurance, they don't even look at you. Most of the Jewish people didn't have flood insurance. So the insurance companies are not going to help you. So who's helping Kleistro, which I'll talk about at the end of my speech, of course, I curse Baruch Hu, but Klai Yisrael is helping Klai Yisrael. Nobody else. We'll talk about that at the end. What I saw on Sunday when I was in Seagate, unbelievable 
when I was to see what Klaistro was doing for Klaistro. But before we get to that, I'd like to talk a, bit, a little bit about um, understanding that there's a God and, and actually being able to prove that, to prove that there's a HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world and not only to, to prove, I guess we should have set up both sides of the room tonight. Okay. We, we haven't been here in a long time. We apologize. But um, there, are three, there are three questions that I get from from atheists or from people that that um, is it coalition. Indy's friend. Oh, okay. Do we have we have coalition on? Is this coalition? What? So we don't have coalition. That's not good. We'll, we'll wait because it's very important that this, this shit goes on coalition. No, but you need to know that you have to know the numbers to get into it. Oh, okay. So go ahead. You can set up the chairs on the on the uh, other side. I have no idea what you have. You know the numbers? Uh, okay. What is this? It's um, I don't have the numbers. No, these are not the numbers. No, you need special in numbers to get in. We have them or we don't have them? Miriam, we have them? No, it's not going to tell you. The, the, this is a, these are... Are you on Torah anytime it's on? No. I'm on the show. I'm on the show. I'm on the show. Oh, the Yetzirah doesn't want me to give this share. Uh-huh. That's a good sign, not a bad sign. No, maybe they're staying on and they're watching a black screen hoping that it's going to come on. Is this filming? Is this camera filming? Okay. I'm as on as I am. You're as on as I am. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If you weren't on, we'll put you on after the share. No, this is a very important share. Otherwise, I would continue, but I, I really want this on, on Kolalashan. It's very, very important. Due to technical difficulties, we have to wait. Jody, if you want to call... Okay. That's when we talk four buses. We're going to talk about it at the end of the share. What is this? I'm just recording. Okay. All right. If you want to talk or look at who sent you text messages, now's the time. Check out your text messages right now. If we don't have it, we don't have it.
Tell me how do how do uh, how do I get a phone on to to take to get on to call Russian? It's, it's Rabbi Wallerstein. Uh huh. Right, I, I'm already in the middle, and I realized I didn't have the phone. A, an MP3 from the from the tape. From the, from the, okay. Twenty two oh one. What other one? Oh, I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. All right, if I don't have it, I don't have it. I got to stock. There's a lot of people here. If you can text it to me, if you can find that, just text it to me. I'll watch my phone. No, I'll be beating out there. Okay, thank you, bye. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have it. That's all. Miriam, where is she? Where'd she go. Okay. Yes, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She probably moved. Okay, it's not working. It's not working. Nothing I can do about it. All right. So, so let's let's break it down. Let's start. Um, there are, there are there are three questions that I'm very much asked many many times by by people who don't want to believe in Hashem, don't believe in Hashem, and sometimes by people but that do believe in Hashem, but they they're looking for answers. One question is that that outside of a moon, outside of belief. In other words, if you're having a bikuach with 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 a non-Jewish person, and you, first of all, this whole thing is based on a mission and Pirkei that says da ma, you need to know what to answer in apikiris. You can't just walk around your whole life and not know what to answer because if you don't know what to answer, somebody asks you a question and comes out of your mouth, I don't know, you're, you're sort of going to walk away from that thinking like, maybe that other person's right. So the Mishnah Pegelvis says that you have to know what to answer, not be curious. It's very important. So if, if you're having a bikur, if you're having a discussion in college or, or wherever it is that you're having a discussion with this non-Jewish person who is not religious of any religion at all, and she says to you like, so how do you know you have a God? Like, how do you know that God created the world? How do you know there is a God? Did you ever see God? Did you ever hear God? I mean, it's a very nice story that they wrote in the books, right? So you're going to say, what, what, what do you mean? I, I believe, right? And that's a big opening, because the minute you say, I believe, he'll say, well, how many Jews believe? Like, how many Jewish people believe? Eight million. Okay. Well, the Muslims, Islam, believes, and they have 
8 billion. So if you have 8 billion people that believe that something, and you have 8 million people who believe something else, who are you going to believe? The 8 billion people. Even in Jewish law, we go out P-Royf. We go by majority, right? The Christian religion also is in the billions. So you guys have these 8 million people, so they went through the desert, God showed up on a mountain, and, and, and Rabbi Mechanics was like, and, and he speaks all over the place, and he speaks to Torah, and 100%, the differences between the religions, as he speaks, says, is that there were 600,000 or 3 million Jews at Matan Torah, and one Muhammad, who woke up one morning and said, God spoke to me. Or one Yashka woke up the other morning and said, God spoke to me, right? Here we have 3 million people who heard God's voice. And the person says, really? How do you know? It says it in the Chumash. So, somebody wrote a book. But how do you know? Show me a video. Show me a picture. Show me a newspaper clipping. Show me something. Uh, so, the Chumash is also based on belief. Alright, so there are proofs. There are proofs that there's a God. If you look into the Torah, right? The Torah says that, that there's only one animal in the world... There's only one animal in the world that has split hooves and doesn't chew its cud. A pig. Now, if a human being wrote the Torah, if I wrote something, I want to start a religion, I would never write something in it that you could disprove. Right? I would, because I don't want, you're going to disprove it, the whole thing's going to go out. So, who in the world could write that there's only one animal that chews its cud and doesn't have split hooves? Only the creator. Because if I made every single animal... I'm not scared to write that there's only one animal like that because I created them all. So there can't be another animal. So that's a proof that the Torah had to be written by a god. That's one proof. Second proof is that a fish, it says, a fish that has scales has to have fins. Now, an animal, you could say that some person, since he was a little boy, went to every place in the world, he checked out all the animals... And he did what, like, he, the percentage was, he checked out 100,000 animals, he didn't find one, he's like, okay, I could write that, nothing's going to happen. But fish, none of us are in the ocean, under the ocean, so how can anybody write a statement that the fish, a fish that has scales, has to have fins, right? So it must be the creator is the only one that knows that. So that proves, that proves that the Torah was written by a creator, and that's extremely logical, and nobody can argue with that, except Amalek, that says, he took a chance. He wrote it in the book. He figured, no one's going to find such a fish. And if they do, so, my religion will be over. He took a chance. That's what Amalek says. The writer made it exciting. He wrote it in, which makes no sense, of course. But, if you don't want to believe, you're not going to believe. But I'm going tonight to give you an answer that even if they don't want to believe, they have to believe. And the second question is the soul. Girls, like, they know that there's a soul. I asked a girl, how do you know that you have a soul? Neshama, 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 it sounds great, right? Did you ever see your neshama? Did you ever take an x-ray and they said, whoa, big neshama, or an MRI, move that neshama over, right? <laughs> Nobody ever saw a neshama, right? 
And of course, I asked the girl, so like, how do you know you have a soul? And she goes, what do you mean? Um, I'm looking for my soulmate. <laughs> so if I'm looking for my soulmate, I must have an ashama, right? I'm like, that's a really good proof. That's going to sell. That, that's good. So how do you know you have a soul? How does anybody in this room know you have a soul? Because, again, I believe what the Torah says. talks about neshama. I believe I have a soul. You believe. For the people that can say, well, you believe, I don't believe. Right? There are people out there that believe in UFOs. I hope that most of you don't believe in UFOs. That Martians landed in your room last night. Right? And that's why you hung up all your clothes and now it's on the floor. Must have been Martians in my room, huh? Because I hung it up. Right? Nobody in this room, I hope, believes in Martians. But there are human beings that believe in Martians. Not only that, they have a website. Right? They have, it's crazy, but they have these radio transmitters that they transmit radio waves to the Martians. So you see that people could believe in something that's totally not true. So we don't believe in Martians. We don't believe in extraterrestrial, that things live out in space. But there are human beings that are very intelligent scientists that believe that there are Martians. And they will show you pictures of flying saucers. If you, if you investigate this, I'm not talking about one person that believes in UFO. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people that believe that in space there are aliens. So you can fool people when it comes to belief. You can fool people. So how do you know you have a soul? Because someone told you you have a soul? And the third question, and these are the three main questions of apicarsis. The third question is, nobody ever came back from this other world. And there's so much based on the other world. You're going to live only 80, 90, 100 years here. And then you go to the other world. You have to prepare the other world, the other world, the other world, the other world. Meanwhile, nobody ever went to the other world and came back and said, been there, let me tell you what it looks like. So you believe there's another world, you believe there's a God, you believe you have a soul, so I don't believe. Rabbi Wallstein, I'm a Jewish girl, I don't believe. You believe? I don't believe. Prove it. Okay? So tonight we're going to prove it. Listen carefully. So, and this is not my proof, this is very, it's a little, it's Kabbalistic, I'm not going to tell you it's not, but it's, it's not hidden Kabbalah, it's Nigla. It's, it's, nigla, it's, it's not hidden, it's revealed. Okay. So every person in this room right now, everyone, including me, we are all living in two worlds. We're not living in one world. We're living in two worlds. You don't have to believe me. It's not a question of belief. It's a fact. What two worlds are you living in? You're living in a physical world, which is three-dimensional, it has a height, it has, it has a width, it has a length. Everything in our world is three-dimensional. If it's not three-dimensional like air, I can't see it. Bacteria is not three-dimensional. I can't see it. There's a lot of bacteria in this room, right? There's a lot of germs flying around, a lot of dust. Well, dust you could see, really, but you can't see it. Anything that's not three-dimensional, God created us with eyes that only can see three-dimensional things. Right now in this room, there are millions of television waves your phones that you have here right now are getting text messages. They're flying through this room. The, the person sitting in the second row just got a text message. It came across here, across all you girls, right through your bodies and right into her phone. 
Now, nobody saw that, nobody got up, nobody jumped on the floor. Oh my God, there's an E coming, there's an E coming at me. And there's an E! Why not? How come you don't see that text message? It shows up on your phone. Where did it come from? The answer is, it's, it's in the airways, it's not three-dimensional. So you cannot see it. Till it shows up in a receptacle that takes the thing that's not three-dimensional and makes it three-dimensional, that's why you can read it. So right now going through here are movies and television shows and telephone messages, people talking to each other, and we're sitting in this room and we're getting clobbered by all these stuff that's coming through, but nobody in this room can see it. We can only see three-dimensional things. But every single person in this room has emotions. Everybody feels emotions. We have feelings, happiness, sadness, pain, pleasure. There's a lot of emotions that go on. And the emotional world, we learn in Kabbalah, the emotional world and the world of thought, of machshava, is not created for this world to see. So I cannot know in this room who was in pain today, who was happy today, who was angry today, who forgave somebody today. And if I could, if Hashem created me that I could, I couldn't be standing in this room. Because if I could feel everybody's pain and happiness, I'd explode. I would, I would explode. There's no way I could live. I can't accept all your emotions. I could never handle that. So Hashem created our physical world is a car. To take this emotional, this neshama, which is our emotions, this emotional world, and put it into a container that it can do actual three-dimensional things. A neshama can't put on tefillin. A neshama can't light candles. A neshama can't eat an apple. But a neshama, this emotion, is what drives the person. And therefore... The first thing you learn in Divrei Musar is that the worst thing that a person can be is depressed. Atzvus, depression, sadness is the weapon of the Satan. Because in the world of spirituality, which is the world of emotion, that is the most negative emotion that exists. Anger, revenge, Anger is an emotion, but it's fueled by fire. You feel, I'm angry. You feel your blood rushing. You feel the heat going up your neck. It's, it's got fire in it. Okay, that's something you can turn. Fire burns. Fire also cooks. Fire can destroy and fire can create. Depression, atzvus, is cold. There's no fire in it. It can only hurt. Nothing can grow when there's no fire, when there's no energy, when there's no emotional positive energy in the situation, in the emotion. It's mamish mitzvah avera. It's the same thing. And therefore the Yitzhahara, his biggest power is atzvus, is when a person is down. Even Yaakov Avinu, when he thought that Yosef Atzadik was, was kidnapped and that he lost him, he lost his Ruach HaKodesh. He didn't have Eira. Why did he lose his Ruach HaKodesh? Because he got depressed. When you're depressed, there's no fire, you have no Ruach HaKodesh. He didn't do any Averis. He didn't do anything wrong. He lost that fire. That world of emotions is much more powerful than the physical world. The car 
the physical body, follows the driver, which is the emotion. You're angry, you swing your hand. Whatever that emotion is, whether it's good or bad, it will drive the body. The body doesn't drive the emotion. There are people whose bodies are in a lot of pain. There's a shiva, all of a shalom of mere yeshiva. His, he had a terrible disease. He was shaking. He was in a lot of pain. And when he gave up to give a shear, fire came out of him. His body was shaking. His body was ruined. But his soul, which is the fire, which is the other world, was alive. So when he used to get up, and he used to give a shear in front of the whole mere yeshiva, the man was on fire. But his body, the car was broken. The car is not the driver. The driver is the emotion of the person. The neshama of a person, the nefesh, the neshama, the ruach, is all part of the person's emotion. And no human being can say, no atheist, no scientist, no human being can say, I have no emotion. You might take your emotions and because of something that happened to you, you might lock it up and we have to get it back out and, it's, and, and we got to deal with that emotion and the whole therapy and the whole psychology and all that is dealing is the doctors, instead of doing surgery on your body, they're supposed to know how to do surgery on your soul. And that's why I always tell Jewish people that if you have to go to a therapist and you have to go to rehab, wherever you have to go, make sure it's Jewish. And they're like, why? Why? I know some non-Jewish therapists that are great and I'm like, they don't have an ashama. And part of what you're going through is your neshama, is your soul. And if I, want, if I want a doctor to help me with my soul because I'm depressed with what I'm going through, right? If I have a Jewish soul, then I need a Jewish doctor who understands what a neshama is. So it's very important that when a person goes, that the other person should be Jewish and should have the Torah and the mitzvah because that's what that world is all about. Therapy, psychology is emotional doctoring. Not physical doctoring. It's emotional doctoring. So if I'm going to do an emotional surgery on someone, then I better be healthy emotionally. Because I can't do a physical surgery without hands. And therefore, I can't do an emotional surgery without the correct emotions and without the correct tire behind it. And the Jewish neshama is on a different level. We're not better than the Goyim. We're different than the Goyim. So everybody has to admit that there are two worlds because we are actually living. It's not like I believe in emotions. Well, right, Rothstein, you believe in emotions. I don't believe in emotions. What do you mean you don't believe in emotions? You have emotions. You can't deny that. So we as human beings have to say that there's a much bigger world that I live in that I cannot see and I cannot touch and I cannot smell, and I cannot hear, and I cannot taste. And all the five senses that God gave me, I cannot use them when it comes to that world. Now, in that world, outside the third dimension world, there's machshava. There's thought. I can't read your thoughts. I can't measure your thoughts. All the tools that we have, MRIs, tools of measuring and weighing, I can't put your thoughts on a, on a scale. Because the thoughts are also living in that world. And thoughts are extremely powerful. In the other world, in the world out of the physical world, you live in a world of emotions and thoughts. And that's very scary. Because I don't know your emotions. But if you, if you strip away a person's body and they become an emotional being, then it's emotions 
a, lot, a world of emotions and all the people you hurt in your life emotionally you are now going to feel their emotions Rabbi Label Lamb spoke about this it is the scariest thing in the world you hurt your mother you stayed out till 4 o'clock and she's sitting at home in pain you don't feel that you come home mommy I'm sorry whatever it is well you go to the next world you don't have this physical car anymore. You're out there. You will feel every second of your mother's pain. And every second of a girl or a person you embarrassed, there's no defense. It's not like, oh, I can step out of the room. Bye. I don't see you anymore. Turn around. I don't see you. In the other world, there's no seeing. It's feeling. And that's why it says Gehenim. The fire of Gehenim is not fire. Much worse than fire. It's fire you put your finger in, it burns. And then you put some whatever on and it heals. But the fire of feeling someone else's, that you hurt them, it's forever. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to get away, get away with it. On the, on the opposite, you made someone happy. You did chesed. You helped somebody. You gave them a good word in school. They were walking down the hall. They were depressed and you're like, Chani, it's going to be okay. And she turns around, she's like, thank you. You, you can't feel what she feels. Because you're in a human body. But in the next world, that, that happiness surrounds you, becomes part of you. It's crazy. That's Ganeiden. That's Gehenim. That's Ganeiden. It's not physical. There's nothing physical there. The physical body, the car is in the junkyard. Gehenim is hell. I don't like to use it. Whatever. Gehenim. And Gan Eden is heaven. Gehenim is, 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 is hello without the O, right? And 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 Gan Eden is is heaven. You don't have nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. You're gonna be no. You're gonna be singing poems in heaven. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All the poems. Every time you say a poem, you make feel someone feel good. You you somebody might smile at you, but a smile is nothing compared to going inside them and feeling their, their happiness and that you care. It, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing trip, the next world. It's a crazy trip. It's a crazy trip, the next world. To feel all the good you did in your life, how many people you made happy, we, we, can't, even, we, don't, we can't understand that. And Chatz Shalom to feel the pain. That's why Hashem gave us the, the power to ask Mechila to erase that pain that, that it doesn't show up in the next world. So there's a, there's a whole world out there that the biggest atheist has to admit exists. Not one of them that I ever spoke to could say to me, there's no such thing as an emotional world. Hey, you're living in it. You feel it. You can't tell me there's none. <coughs> so now what happens to that emotional world when a person dies? What does it mean a person dies? It means his heart stopped. It means his blood flow stopped. But his emotions didn't stop because it's not governed by third dimension. So when a person dies, exactly like the Torah tells us, you put him in the ground, you take the car, you put him in the junkyard, and it becomes nothing. And that spirit, who is the person, that emotional spirit that was that person their whole life, now goes to the world it came from. Because it's out of the car. The car only lasts for 90 years. That's why you can't kill an neshama. An emotion lasts forever. You can't get rid of it. Because there's nothing to kill it with. How do you kill an emotion? You can shoot it. You can, you can hang it. You can, you can boil it. There's, there's no such thing. There's nothing in this world... That can kill an emotion. Okay. So now, once this person says, I admit that there's another world, so then I'm like, if there's another world, 
Who created that other world? A being that is that other world. And just like you can't see just another human being can't see their emotions, God, his, who he is, is not three-dimensional. You can't see him. It's not such a big thing that you can't see him because you can't see somebody else's emotion. And he is the king. And on a much deeper level, I don't, I don't even know if I should go into this, but on a much deeper level, you, you can't have a human body, a, being, a human physical body, without a mother and a father. You can't. There has to be a father. And the, the kingdom of our world, there's a king. Well, Kodesh Baruch we're all part of Kodesh Baruch We're all part of that. Our neshama is part of him. And that's why he knows everything we're doing because, because my brain knows everything my body is doing. So we're part, we're one body, we're part of Kodesh Baruch So he knows everything that's going on with every single person because you're part of him. A brain can't say, I'm not part of the brain. So Kodesh Baruch could you tell me that now that you know that you're a low human being and you have a whole other world, can you tell me that in that other world there's not a king and there's not a father? Can you make that statement? Of course not. No. Of course you can't. <laughs> so therefore, just like in the physical world, you've got to come from something. There's no less man, you can't come from nothing. So Kodesh Baruch is saying, I am your father. There's a Shekhinah. And there's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't know what that means exactly because we don't understand the whole of the world. We can't. We can't. We're living in it and we don't understand it because you didn't give me the tools to see it. I don't have a microscope. If I don't have a microscope, I can't see the cells that are on the slide. With my eye, I can't see them. With a microscope, I could see them. You didn't give me that microscope. But if you learn Taira and the tzaddikim who ate very little and sort of were very little in the physical world, automatically we call it the third eye, they moved from the physical world into the spiritual world. The more you're in the physical world, the less you're in the spiritual world. The less you're in the physical world, the more you're in the spiritual world. So the biggest tzaddikim who learned Torah actually connected to Hashem and, and saw Hashem, saw the Shekhinah on a spiritual level. We, because of the level we are, we have to find God through physical things. So you could see Him through flowers, through the human body, how it's created. We can see him on a much lower level because we are on a much lower level. So now we understand that when a person dies, that soul, which cannot be destroyed in our world, in a third, third, goes to another place. So now, there is a part that you have to have a muna. The part that there's another world, you're living in it, you don't have to have a muna. The part that you have a soul, you don't have to have a muna. You have emotions. You can't see it. We know that we all have it. You're, if you, when you're dead, you don't have emotions. But the emotions what keeps you, the neshama what keeps you alive. When a person dies, the neshama leaves it, the body. The body with the neshama in it can live for 40 years in a coma. And some people do. But the minute that neshama leaves, I'll tell you a story with me. My father, all of a shalom, was in a coma for two weeks. And I was the one in the morning that was with him every morning. I put tillin on him. The morning that he died, I was there. I had put tillin on him. And I had just taken off his tillin and wrapped up his tillin. I was very, very close to him. I just wrapped up his tillin, I remember, and his talus. And he was going to call me. He didn't know that I was there. Or he did, I'm not sure, but whatever. And I rolled it up and I put it 
on the table, and the nurse starts saying to me, your, your father's leaving us. What do I know? I never, I'm a client, so I never, I don't go to anything that has to do anything with death. With my father, it doesn't matter if you're a client, it's your father. So I ran over to his bed. And when I ran over to his bed, I watched my father take his last breath, which should be extremely traumatic. Should be extremely traumatic. He took his last breath, and I was like, come on, Dad, breathe again. Take another breath. Nothing. Like he went to sleep. He took a little breath out, and that was it. I was standing there, and I thought that I would be totally traumatized. And I looked at my father, and I realized he wasn't there anymore. You should never have to see this, but I saw it. I was looking at a human form on the bed. It wasn't my father. There was no spirit in it. Now, he was in a coma two minutes before that. That was my father. That was my father. The minute that he took his last breath and the shama left, that wasn't my father. Manishtana, the same guy laying in the bed, I saw his neshama leave. I saw that man in the bed was just a car. My father left. I saw it with my own eyes. Now, did I see angels flying? No. Did I see fire flying? No. He just wasn't the same person. Because the, his ruach, his neshama, his emotion is who you really are, not your body. Your body, you can change. You have a nose lift. You, know, you, can, you can change your whole body. You cannot change who you are. You cannot change your emotions. You, can, you cannot change. This is Zechariah Wallerstein. I, I am not this body. I'm not Zechariah Wallerstein because this is the body. Because I could change my whole appearance that you would never recognize me. But I'm still the same Zechariah Wallerstein. What do you mean? You change your nose. You change your hair. You change your height. You change everything. So what do you mean? You're a different guy. I'm not a different guy. I'm still the same person inside. I still think the way I think. That didn't change. The car you can change. But the, the person is not the body. The person is the emotions. The soul of the person. So, my friends asked me, wow, your father died in your hands? I mean, that's got to be traumatic. And I was like, no, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I knew he didn't die. I knew that the guy laying in that coffin and the person on that bed and the person that I threw sand on in the grave wasn't my father. My father wasn't there anymore. My father was in Shemayim. That was not my father. That was the car that went to the junkyard. That's not my father. I'm serious. And I even had to identify him when he got to Eretz Yisrael. And like my brother was like, you want me to go? I'm like, no, I don't have a problem with it. Daddy is fine. That is not him. And I wasn't crazy. And I wasn't emotional. And I have been very much in a much better place than my siblings because my father didn't die. Not because I'm a wacko and I have a muna. I saw it. My father left. He, got on, he left. He left. That person I looked at in the bed was not there anymore. So I knew, I know that there's another world. And there is a world for this emotion, for this soul. And therefore, no atheist, no person in the world can tell me that they know for sure that there's no God. Because you don't know nothing about that world. You don't know the father of your emotions. You don't know the mother of your emotions. You don't know anything about your emotions. You just know what you feel. But you don't see them. And I definitely don't know about your emotions. You can smile at me and still hate me. Your physical body, what you're doing, doesn't prove anything to me. So I gave this girl that I was talking to an example. A blind person. There still has to be a moon. I'm going to tell you where there has to be a moon. A blind person who used to see and became blind. And I'm like, Hi. I have a rose. 
in my hand. And she's like, I don't believe you. I'm like, okay. I hand her the rose. And she feels the thorns and the branches and she feels the velvety rose and the, and the petals, how they're together. And she's blind, but you know, the blind are very sensitive. And she's like, Rewalstein, you're telling me the truth. It's a rose. That's for sure. That's what I'm telling you tonight. Nobody in here can deny that emotions exist and you have them and we can't in this world measure them, see them, but there is one way to know another person's emotions. You could feel them. Because feeling is emotions and shama talking to a neshama and it's not a three-dimensional thing. So you could feel sometimes when someone's in pain, you could really know that they're in pain. Not because they're screaming, they may be faking. Because your neshama is in tune with that other person's neshama and those two neshamas are talking. So we know that you could feel sometimes, depending on your connection, you could feel for somebody else. You could feel what they're feeling sometimes. It depends on what the relationship is. So I can feel what you feel because when I go, when I get out of the physical world and I go into my emotional self and that's where I'm living, then I can feel your emotions because I'm, I'm out of this physical world and I'm in this spiritual world. So that there's a, that there's a spiritual thought, emotional world, no human being can deny. Now I tell the girl, so you know it's a rose. But it's a red rose. Now you have to trust me. Because she's blind. That it's a red rose I can never prove to her again. That's where she has to trust me. That's the step of Amuna. That's the step that a person has to be. That's what we have to work at. I know there's a Hashem. I know there's another world. I know I have a soul. And now, you're giving me a Torah. You're giving me guidelines for the other world. And you're telling me that it's red. That it's good for me. But I can't see it. That's where the trust, the emuna, comes in. That Chazal want us to believe. At the end of the day, you still have to believe. I know it's a rose. I know I have emotions, Rabbi. I know everything. But now you're telling me it's red? That part I got to trust you. Because I can't see. The Torah is telling us that there's a HaKadosh Baruch Hu, That I have to trust. Because that I can't see. But I cannot say, and this atheist that I had this whole thing with, I was like, now can you say that there's not another world? He admitted there's another world. That you can't see? Yes. So can you tell me that there's no God? You can't see the world. How can you tell me in that world that there's no father, there's no God, there's no creator. You can't see it. He says, I can't prove to you that there's no God. And then he said, can I have your yarmulke? And from that day, which was three weeks ago, he's wearing my yarmulke. He's wearing my yarmulke. And he's no longer an atheist. Now he's searching. Now he says, okay, there is a God. Now, get me books. Or send me to a school. I want to learn. We're living with our Kurdish Baruch Hu. He's inside of all of us. 
And what that means when Chazal says that God is inside of all of us, what are you talking about? What does it mean I'm created? How does anyone in this room understand that you're created B'Tselem Elohim? It's a very nice thing. You're created. What girl here, what girl here thinks that God looks like you? Some of you, maybe. But seriously. So what does that plastic mean? We're all created in the image of God. What does that mean? How am I in the image of God? I look like God. God looks like me. He has a nose and eyes and ears. He has to eat breakfast. Like what, what? What does that mean? How do you understand that? And the answer is, God's not a physical being. So he created all of us with emotions and, and, the, and the ability to think because that's a part of him. That's in his image. His image is a non-physical being, an emotional, ruchnius, spiritual being. And since each one of us has that, cows don't have it. They're not emotional. Your dog is not emotional. Fish are not emotional. Daimane, rocks are not emotional. Tzameach, flowers, are not emotional. But, you need to know something. Being that a Kurdish Baruch Hu is a spiritual, made out of the emotional and spiritual world, if you take tonight two plants, because everything comes from God who is the source, if you t- go tomorrow to a store and you buy two plants, and one of them you say every morning, hi, when you water them exactly equal and they're both in the same place in the sunlight, and you go over to one and you say, hi, good morning, call him Freddy, whatever you want. Freddy, good morning, how are you? I hope you like the water I just gave you. And then you take your little tape recorder and you play two, three songs next to that plant. Right? Not rock and roll, not rap music. Nice, good, shweki, you know? Nice, good Jewish music. And then you turn to the other plant. You could try it yourself. You don't believe me. And you scream at it. I hate you. You're miserable. You're a plant. You're nothing. You're full of dirt. Right? And then you put on some real gothic, rap, disgusting music. And you will see that within two weeks, one of them will be beautifully growing and the other one will be totally wilted, bent over, and dying. If you don't believe me, try it. Now, they're plants. They don't have a heart. They don't have a heart. They don't have ears. Right? What's going on here? Or Walter, what's going on here? Because you said good morning to one. How could that be? It's impossible, right? You do it. Because I, I, when I was in school, we did it. And it, it, it works. It's crazy. Right? How, how, could that, how does that work? How come one plant died and the other plant, because I said good morning to a plant, it doesn't have ears. Everything in the physical world has a soul. Everything. A leaf. A blade of grass, everything has a soul. Even a plant lives in two worlds. And if you don't believe it, be nice to one, be miserable to the other, and you will see that it affects the physical being. Because once again, as I started this year, the emotional runs the physical. The physical does not run the emotional. If you are in an emotional good state, you can get up in the morning, you can run five miles, you can jump on the chair, you can do anything. Your physical body is all excited. If you're depressed, you can't physically get out of bed. The emotional world runs the physical world, not vice versa. So everyone in this room needs to walk out of the door tonight and know that there's no question but there's another world.
And just like in physics we learn that nothing can come from nothing, somebody had to create that other world. And somebody had to figure out how to take that other world and create a car for it in order to make the emotional, the neshama, grow. So he created everything in the world. We're connected emotionally to the physical world. You wear clothing, no shotness. You get up in the morning with shoe you put on first. You walk out of the bathroom, you eat an apple, you drink water. Everything that, he, that we do, Hashem took this, this neshama and he gave it a car and the ability to take that passenger, which is you, to the highest of the highest heights. But at the same time, a driver can get into a car and get drunk, or not get drunk, and drive it into people and hurt people, and drive off a cliff. You have the power, you're the driver, the neshama has the power, but it's not always used, it doesn't always use the car for the right things. That's your choice. Once you're in the car, Hashem gave you a body, what'd you do with it? Whether you make a bracha on the apple or you don't, that's up to you. Whether you use your hands to, to help people or to destroy, that's up to you. So everyone has a soul because we have it. The next world is a world of souls, is a world of not physical world because what happens to that emotion and all that, that person? Because really, who are you? You're not your body. You're, you're, you're emotional being. That's who you are. That's what that's we, we each are. Sky Wallstein is not this body. Sky Wallstein is in this body. Sky Wallstein is not this body. 100% not. And that's why Tadika I'm not so scared to die because, because they leave this body, they're not happy because the body can do mitzvahs and after you leave the body you can't do mitzvahs but they're very excited about going into this other world that they're actually living very much in when they're in this world. So I think it gives you a little bit of, it's very deep, I'm not telling you that it's not very deep and you have to chew it over a little bit but it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing, it's an amazing connection. And there's one more thing about Imuna. I was just telling this to a girl the other day. If if I trust somebody, if I trust somebody, if I have a great relationship with my wife, right? You're married a long time, you have a great relationship with your wife. And my wife tells me, Go out, you know, go outside, get the, get, get the mail, whatever she sends me out for. And I'm like, I think it's cold outside. I think I'm going to put on my coat. And she says, no, don't put on your coat. It's not cold outside. And I'm like, how do you know? You watch the news this morning? No. You check the temperature? No. It just looks like the sun's out. It looks like it's not cold. If it's someone that I trust and somebody that I love, I'm going out without a coat. Without asking questions. If it's someone that I don't have such a close relationship with, then I'm like going to start asking, how do you know? Did you see the weather forecast yesterday? You see, two days ago, um, did someone text you what it's like outside? I ask a lot of questions, right? So what I was telling this girl is that the more questions you have on God, it actually translates into the further I am in my relationship from Him. Because if I have a lot of questions, I mean, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Because I don't have that relationship with you that we're so close that whatever you tell me, I trust. So I have a lot of questions on you. But if I have a, a fantastic relationship with somebody and I love that person, they tell me something, I don't need to ask all these questions. Uh, I just, I wasn't going to go here, but, you know, I'm going to finish with this. I wanted to talk about Seagate. I'll talk about it in next week. So, so I want to tell you a story so that you understand what I'm trying to say here. So there's this boy who goes to school every day and he shows off that his father and him are like brothers. Like my father and me... 
We're inseparable. We go to games together. He comes home early. We're like, we're the best. We're the best buddies. There's this one kid that really doesn't get along with his father. He's having a very rough life. And he hears this guy talking about this all the time. Finally, he says, you know what? I don't believe you. You don't have to keep a relationship with your father. You're just showing off in front of the whole class. I'm going home with you today. I want to see your relationship with your father. So the kid says, yeah, you'll believe me. I'll take you to my house. So they come to the house. And these two kids are playing ball outside. And they're off our schwitz and they're all sweaty. And they come into the kitchen. And this kid is the son of the, of the father. He's very thirsty. And he's very tired. And there in the middle of the kitchen table is this huge pitcher of water. And he goes over to the pitcher of water. And he picks it up. And he has his cup. And his father walks into the room. And he runs over to his son. And he smacks the pitcher as he, his mama, he had the pitcher in one hand, he had the cup, smacks the pitcher in the cup, flying into the wall, the pitcher smashes into a bunch of pieces, and the kid's like, the other kid's like, I knew it, you liar! Your father, you let you get a drink of water! He's worse than my father! He's much worse than my father! I'm gonna go to school, and I'm gonna tell everybody, you're a liar. And he runs out the door. And the kid runs after him, the son, and he says, no, you don't understand, it can't be, my father never did that to me before, and the other kid's like, yeah, yeah, liar, liar, he does it, your, your father's worse than any man I ever saw in my life, I never saw someone do that, smack his kid like that, whatever it is, so now the kid is walking back to the house, his head's down, his father just slapped the water out of his hands, there's two kinds of kids at this point, there's the one that ran, to school who's going to tell everybody that this guy is the meanest the meanest father that exists he's gone now this son's walking back to the house and he's like I don't understand we have a very good relationship why, why did my father do that so he walks to the house and goes dad why did you embarrass me in front of my friend why did you smack me like that I don't understand you never did that before and his father's like son you're not going to believe it. it's really my fault your mother told me to get bleach, and I dropped it, and the, the, the thing broke, and it was leaking. So I took, the first thing I could find was a pitcher, and I, let, I poured all the bleach into the pitcher, and I put it on the table, and I was going to go wash my hands, and then put the bleach, you know, find a place to put it safe. And I walk into the kitchen, and there you are, about to drink a glass of, be of bleach. And I, by the time I would have said bleach, blah, 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 it would have been in your mouth already. You would have burnt your throat. You would have been dead. So I had no choice at this point. I just smacked it out of your hands and all over the floor, and the kid's like, I knew it. I knew it. My father saved my life. I, he loves me. Maybe for a second I didn't understand, and I was wondering maybe he became a very mean guy, but I knew it. Beautiful. But a person who has a relationship with his father for a long time, the minute the kid's running away, he's walking back home, and he's like, must have been bleach. Must have been poisonous. There's no way my father would ever smack my hand. And, and do what he did to me, unless he had to save my life. I bet you a million dollars it was bleach. That's true in Muna. That's the person who doesn't ask questions. That's the person who has a relationship with his father, because his father woke him up every morning and gave him life. And for the last 30 years, or 20 years, or 18 years, or 15 and a half years, or 14 years, he gave me eyes to see, and ears to hear, and a brain to learn, 
and excitement and sunrises and flowers and roller coasters and screaming and friends. And he gave me all this stuff. So now all of a sudden something happened, a hurricane or something else happened. I don't have any questions. It's probably, not probably, it's surely for my good. That's the highest level when you're on the right relationship. Yes, then there'll be the other level where the person just walks away and says, Ha! I knew the whole thing ain't true. I knew I don't have a God. And run around telling the whole world, see, we don't have a God. That's the kid who had no relationship with his father. So he cannot understand that it could be poison. He's not even thinking that. He's thinking that this other kid who's talking about God, who's talking about his father, is full of baloney. And then there's the middle one who says, I got to ask, I got to figure out why this happened. The level that we need to go to at this point, because I'm telling you, I'm no Makubo, but I'm telling you, the signs are here. The signs are here. I'm not going to get into my whole hurricane speech. Okay? But the signs are here. We're living in a world of mushchasim. We're living in a world where gay marriage is legal. We're living in a state that legalized it. We're living, we're living in a place where Te'evas Hashem, all the Te'evas that he wrote, are being actually lived and they're illegal and they're right and they're good and the people that get up to speak about it, the rabbis or anyone that gets up to speak about it, we're prehistoric and we're sadistic and we don't understand. And it's not, a, it's not the situation of, of the gay people, it's the situation that it was, when I was growing up, it was wrong. The people are like that, that's between them and God. It's not my business. Between them and God. When I was growing up, it was wrong. Today, the people that are against it are wrong. That's the problem. It became right. And I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the whole morality of America, not only America, of the whole world. Of the whole world has dropped so far. And now, after a hurricane, and then snow, now, a week later, a war in Israel? People, wake up! Wake up! It's non-stop! We don't even have time to catch our breath! The Israelis are at war, they're shooting missiles, it, it hit a shopping center today, where Jewish kids were. This is not a joke, we're at the end! This is it. You better work on your immune and you'll be talking. Because it's not going to look good for us. The hurricane hit the Jewish towns. Does it look like we're the chosen? And the Gemara says, and the Medrash says, at the time of Mashiach, it's going to look like the rest of the world is right. And there'll be no America to save us. And there'll be no FEMA to save us. And there'll be no president sending jets and everything to save us. And there'll be no UN to save us. There'll be no one to save us except him. And when he tells you the rose is red, you better believe the rose is red. Because each one of us is a part of him. And just like any part of your body hurts, the whole body hurts. Any part of Klai Yisrael hurts, HaKadosh Baruch Hu hurts. There is no question. We are part of him. So, the thing that we need to work on now is our Ramuna. And I got up and I spoke for Seagate Sunday night. And what am I to say? These people lost everything. I lived in Flatbush. And I just said to them one thing. I said, something's coming. And we needed this hurricane because what happened in Seagate, the chesed that Klai Yisrael is doing in the Seagates 
in Manhattan Beach, in Far Rockaway, where people don't have clothing. People who were rich and had everything. They don't have food, they don't have underwear, they don't have pajamas, they have nothing. They have no refrigerators, they have no food, they have no boilers, they have no heat, they have nothing. And nobody helped them. And Kaleistral, I was there Sunday, 800 people came to Seagate. Four buses from Baltimore came from Baltimore, six hours on a bus. And who got off that bus? Rabbis, lawyers, doctors, kids from yeshiva. And they came, and they cleaned out people. They came for one thing, to go into every basement of every house and clean out eight feet of water and sewage. I saw a guy there that I know. He's a very wealthy guy. He has never picked up a tissue from the floor. He has four maids. If he drops a tissue, they pick it up. He doesn't know what it means to clean anything. And I'm there in Seagate, and this guy's walking towards me, and I got to step back because he smells like human excrement. From head to toe, he's full of it, literally. Boots and everything. And I'm like, you don't even pick up tissues in shul. What did you do? And he's like, Zach, this was amazing. I got my hands dirty for another Jew. I didn't write a check. I got my hands dirty. I went into the sewer for another Jew. And there were 800 of them, went from house to house, worked 12 hours. I'm talking about, I do the rub that I know has 700 people in the shul in Baltimore. He's standing there from head to toe in, in goo. With his beard, with everything. And then they're on a bus for six hours back like that to get to Baltimore. And I said to myself, and I said to these people, I said, something's coming, and Hashem needs, always creates the refuah, the healing before the Makkah, and he needs to create a huge angel in heaven from what the Jews are helping other Jews, because that's what we're going to need, because it's going to get really tough this year. So the refuah came, so Hashem went to, to all these places, and money, and clothing, and, and lumber yards by, owned by Jews giving them the lumber, and grocery stores giving them the food, and the Landau's on one day Sunday, they raised $100,000 just from guys coming to shul, not rich guys, guys that don't have anything, $180, $200, money, work, everything. The UJA, they, they're not even religious, they're usually not for the religion, they came, they sent 12 Israeli army engineers, it was, it was like after the Holocaust, the DP camp. Where all the people were walking and they had nothing and they were depressed and all the Jews came from America and they gave them clothing and they gave them money and they gave them hope. That's what it looked like there. And we created this huge malach in all these different places because we're going to need it. And I knew that something was coming. And that's why it happened. It, it wasn't a tragedy. It was a victory. It was a human tragedy and a Jewish victory. And we built this big mouth that we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're not just a bunch of rich people that write checks. We'll put boots on and we'll go into the sewer to help another Jew. And one of the people, when I got finished in Seagate, came over to me and said, Red Wallstein, I must tell you this. He said, my house was under eight feet of sewer water. My next door neighbor had like six feet of sand. You know, what, you know what, how heavy it is to carry sand out of my house? His basement was full of sand from the beach. The whole seawall collapsed in Seagate. He said, and these guys from Baltimore, and a bunch of guys from Flatbush, and a bunch of guys from here and from there and from Teaneck, 
They went into these two houses, and the whole day they're pumping and schlepping. We're not built for this, Jew. We're, we're, we're Jewish guys, you know. We're not, we're not built to go into the store. We hire guys to do that, you know. You know, Pergament and Home Depot, they don't live off us. We hire the guy that goes to Pergament and Home Depot and Lowe's. We, we, don't, we don't do this stuff, right? Sure, guys. So there was an Italian, two Italian guys, true story, that lived in a house between these two houses. And he's watching a whole day. Ten hours, Jews coming, schlepping the refrigerator out of the basement, the washing machine, because it's all destroyed. The salt water, washing machine out of the basement. And never these poor guys, you know, were to take the other people to get out a washing machine. There's two guys, it took six Jews to get it out, you know. Pull, schlep, I can't, my back, my elbow, my this, my that. And we have to go to my chiropractor, we got to go to the doctor. Give me two Advils, give me Motrin, they were passing around. We're not used to this, right? These two Italian guys who lived in between, they're watching this. So now the sun is setting in Seagate, and they walk over to this guy who came over to me who lived in one of these houses. He said, I just want to tell you something. I want you to take me to a rabbi. I want me to take you to a rabbi. Why should I take you to a rabbi? He said, I want to tell you something. He said, I live in Seagate. I have a lot of non-Jewish friends. Some of them called me, how you doing? Want to come to my house? He said, nobody came to take out my sore stuff. He said, did you know that there were three Jewish boys that knocked on my door and I told them I'm not Jewish? And they said, so what? You're human. And they took my stuff out too. I want to see a rabbi. I want to convert. It's a true story. He says, you people are amazing. Nobody knocked on my door. Who cleaned out my floor? I'm Christian. Who cleaned out my house? Three Jewish kids. He said, I want to be one of yours. I want to be one of your nation. We needed that. Because we need a protector. We needed to show the Satan. I'm sure there was some type of Bikuach in Shemayim where the Satan was saying, yeah, 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 they give chesed, they write checks. Yeah, yeah. Hashem, they don't get their hands dirty. Hashem said, no, watch what I'm about to do. You're going to find out that they get their hands dirty. The same thing that happened by Akedas Yitzchot when the Satan said, Abraham Avinu didn't even bring you a carbon. Hashem said, he didn't bring me a carbon. He would even bring me his kid as a carbon. And that's how the whole Akedas Yitzchot, which happened, which ended up protecting us and saving us till today. Well, we just had another Akedas Yitzchot. Because the Satan said, Jews, yeah, they'll raise money. They got money. They'll write checks. But these guys, they don't get their hands dirty. Hashem said, really? Hurricane, let's see. Checks. Hands dirty, up all night. People up four days, five days. I know people that are in Seagate that have nothing to do with Seagate. This guy's a rich guy. He went with his, his business. He closed his business for two weeks. He told me, don't call me for two weeks. So I wanted him to do something with him. Don't call me for two weeks. I said, what's going on? He says, I'm taking over Seagate. I'm going to make sure I will sit there. I will get the people. I will make sure three things. Everyone has electricity. Everybody has hot water boiler. Uh, has a hot water tank. And everybody has a, a, a boiler. Heat, hot water, electricity, it's mine. I will take care that every house, 300 houses, will have it within a week. Tonight, I spoke to, to Marcha Evan David, who lives there, who is totally decimated, and I said, Marcha, come to me for Shabbos. And he said, why? I'm like, what do you mean, why? He said, I got hot water, I got electricity, and I got water. These guys mean business. So now the Yetzirah story, we say, Avinu Malkeinu, on Rosh Hashanah we say, Shut the mouth of the angel, right? That's our prosecutor. Well, Kleistro just did that. They just did that. And now, 
we have to daven for Eretz Yisrael. It's very, very scary what's going on there. Syria is involved. It's not Pasha. It's not a simple thing. And now Akash Bokha wants to see if the people in America, you, you care about Seagate, you care about Farakaway, you care about Manhattan Beach, you care about your country. Well, now there's Jews suffering in Eretz Yisrael. So now who's davening for them? Who's davening? Who's saying a whole Tehillim for them? Who, who cares about them? This is the next step. So we need to leave here tonight and we, we need to know that this is it. This is the time. And Akash Baruch Hu is our God and we are part of Him and we need to trust that when He says the rose is red, the rose is red and we need to have that emunah because it's going to be, it's a very trying time and we need to daven very hard for Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. There are a lot of little kids that are involved here. They're shooting these missiles into kibbutzim. They're shooting these missiles specifically at schools and at other places. There are thousands of missiles. It's not, it's not, it's not something to joke around. So now we need to step up again. Yeah, we're getting tested. Money, sewers. And we step up again. If your girls are not davening mincha, start davening mincha. If you're not benching, start benching. If you don't say Tehillim, take on right now. I'm going to say two Tehillims a day. Four, I'm Yisrael. For Klai Yisrael, that's an Eretz Yisrael. And that's the tough news. But the good news is that Rabbi Akiva was walking through the Beis HaMikdash and they were foxes. And all the Chachamim were crying with the Beis HaMikdash declaring God was, now there are animals. And Rabbi Akiva was laughing. And they said, why are you laughing? Foxes in, where the Beis HaMikdash was? And he said, because it says in Zechariah that one day there will be foxes. And at the end of the sentence it says, but... Beis will be built again. He says, so now we see that the prophecy is true. The prophecy says that at the end of time, Klai will have nobody to help them but me, says Hashem. So now that we know that after our election and everything, Hashem made sure that there's nobody to help him but him, so now we need to turn to him. And if we do that, the good news is that the whole prophecy came true. So here we are. We're at the feet of Mashiach. We should see him. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.